How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. This week, Japanuary rolls on. We are looking at Katsuhiko Nakajima from Pro Wrestling Noah. Oh, yeah. This week, we're diving into Noah officially. We, yeah. we got a little snippet of Noah last week uh, because all Japan matches are very hard to find. But yes. yeah, Pro Wrestling Noah, baby. And it's the Japanuary match or the Japanuary episode that has the most current matches, correct? Yes, it, yeah. At least, well, it there's be. also there's also Stardom. Stardom is is some current stuff, but of the men's yeah. promotion, these are the most current matches we'll watch during the month. Yeah, well, it's an, it's also an active wrestler. I will say yeah. who's still relatively young. He's, He's probably still in his really young. He's yeah, still so. really young for being this decorated of a wrestler. Yeah, brother's in his prime. He just started out real early because that's what they do over there. Yeah, he's 34 years old. Yeah. He'll turn 35 to... in March. Shout out to Nakajima. Um, I- I'm really excited for this. I would say that Nakajima is kind of hard to pinpoint in the in the Noah lineage. He's not yep. exactly... Honestly, anyone listening to this who's like, oh my God, the first roll around of Noah, you know, they'll probably end up doing Misawa or like, you know... Yeah. Even a Mar- uh, Naomichi Marafuji, you know, someone who's established as a big name over there, definitely been an ace. But I chose Nakajima for a different reason. Nakajima, his time as the ace was pretty short, honestly. And yeah. it's it's overshadowed by a lot of different characters because it came during a time that was pretty dark for Noah. I would say they were they were trying to get back on the upswing, but... It isn't really until like kind of within the last few years that Noah has been able to really turn it around. And I think now the promotion's in a pretty good spot. I know yeah. that uh, I believe Keno um, won the title uh, last week at their at their New Year's show, which is which is good. He's really young. He's like 26. The guy's a monster. Um, and it looks like the promotion's going in the right direction now. But, you know, during the time that Nakajima held the belt, which I believe was 2017, He's got two runs with it, 2017, and then one other one in 2020, I believe. Yeah, you know, yeah. he he really he really was. Uh, I guess you could say for a short time there, he was technically the ace, but you know, he he really was kind of just a piece that was presented alongside guys like Go Shiozaki, who we'll see on here. You know, Naomichi Marufuji, like I mentioned, who we'll see on here. Um, Keno, who we'll see on here. Uh, Segura, who um, is a guy who we won't unfortunately see on this episode but it, you know he's he's like their top heel over there for a, a long stretch of time there and it really was a time where outside pieces had to come into noah in order yeah. to put on these bigger shows like you know Minoru suzuki was the big bad there for like a year and a half or something yeah um and you know they had to have guys like 
you know, spoiler alert for later on in this match, like Brian Cage come through, all these indie shots from from America uh, yeah. c- come through there and, and really challenge for this belt to make it seem more important, to really make their champions seem more important because they didn't really have guys who had that sort of mainstream appeal and, yeah. and like stardom like, you know, guys in New Japan have or, or you know, guys across the independent scene uh, all across the world. It, it really became difficult for Noah during this time period. But I, I do think there's a lot of good to Nakajima, which is why I wanted to pick him because he's a guy who deserves a little bit of a spotlight because I just think he's he's pretty damn fucking good. You mentioned that Nakajima started pretty young. He's still only 34. He made his professional debut at 15 in an MMA contest, immediately made a name for himself, switching over to wrestling. He had the nickname Supernova, faced a bunch of Hall of Famers, Kenta Kobashi, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami. He was just checking off names. Debuted in Noah in July 2005. And the weird thing that we'll talk about is he was not a full-time Noah guy until, I believe, 2015. Like, he oh, wow. was a Noah guy. Like, he would always come in, but he was not signed to Noah officially until 2015. I mean, I can't say that I know him from anywhere else. Like, if he was yeah. in DDT or something like that, I have no idea. I, I and, only know him from Noah. And weirdly, his Wikipedia is really sparse until he gets to to Noah, which is strange. He's got some other championships in All Japan, in Michinoku Pro Wrestling, uh, in Pro Wrestling Zero One, Wrestle One. Like, he's got some other titles and stuff. It's just, it's very strange to see. Almost like an, it feels like an incomplete Wikipedia. Somebody who's a big Nakajima fan needs to go on and just like edit the shit yeah. out of this Wikipedia. That's a task yeah. for somebody out there, not me. Okay, it won't be me either. <laughs> I can we tell you are, that much for sure. We're going all the way to 2009 for his first match. Nakajima is only 21 here. He's only 21. Yeah. Can you do something for me? I hate that that song has ruined a number, a whole number. Well, the number was already rumored. Remember nine plus 10? I, it's 21. Uh, this match is against Kenta, a.k.a. Hideo Itami for you Westerners. Uh, Noah Jr. Heavyweight Championship, March 1st, 2009. Kenta is the challenger. Nakajima is the champion. For a little bit of reference and context, where is Noah as a promotion at the end of the 2000s, beginning of the 2010s? Oh, it is. It is the beginning of the the downturn at this point. Okay, um, Misawa had passed away in two thousand nine, I believe, yep. in the summer sometime. We we covered that in the in the last episode a little bit. Um, it was tragic. It was during a match. Yeah. Um, I believe it was a Noah match, and you know, it, it really put things into question because that whole promotion was Misawa up to that point. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really coming off of that and Noah was just not in a good place it, it, there wasn't really much to do with, you know, the leadership and the direction, like, where do you go from there losing a big piece like that? Like you can't, I, I guess it was, it was, I don't remember exactly what they did. I think they, they kind of just relied on Naomichi Marifuji as their ace from that point on. But uh, it, it was it was bleak. I mean, at that point, Kanta Kobashi's older. He, he's he's if he's not already forty, he's touching it. Um, and you know, it's it's really it, it was a bleak time for them. Yeah. So, in, so this is weird. We never really see this with promotions, but we're gonna see Noah go from bigger stadiums and bigger arenas to smaller ones as the matches go on, and then back to bigger ones. Yeah. It's a, 
I, I don't. I can't think of another instance where we've been able to see that for a promotion through a guy's matches, but we we see it here. Um, I can't think of an instance where that would be the case. I mean, usually you, you think about like TNA. You know, TNA started off small and then became big and then became small. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When it, it's when very it rare that you back. get the sec the second bigger wave. Yeah, I mean, ROH had its little ups and downs and ups again, but yeah. now it's just down <laughs> and no. it's non-existent pretty much. Until Triple H buys it. Do we have to talk about the whole WWE's being sold? No, like, no we're not. No. We're, we just don't. Hey, guys, WWE is getting sold. Yeah, is I I want one good rumble. To this point, ben. hasn't been. But you know what? Can we just complete the Bloodline story before it's over? Yep. Anywho, uh, what did you think of this match? Again, probably something that's going to be in there for all of Japanuary. If we go through move by move, we're going to be here for three days. So we're yeah. going to talk broad strokes. We're going to talk about some of the big moves, some of the big things we saw, specifically from Nakajima. But what do you think of the match overall? Well, this match was interesting because it's for the junior title. Yeah. Uh, which, I look, I understand. Kenta's not a big guy. But Kenta's yeah. probably, aside from the core four and maybe Marafuji, and actually not even Marafuji at this point, I think Kenta's probably the biggest name in Noah. So like, why is he in the junior? Is it, is, it's like the John Cena US Open chat. It's like, why are you down there? What are you like, doing? That guy should be there? the GHC champion right now. Yeah. <laughs> like heavyweight champion right now. Kind of strange. Um, it's it's interesting because like he's he's already years removed from being a big name. Like he already had his run in ROH. He's already established in the mainstream. Uh, Kenta is a big big deal in Noah too at this point. Like he was the guy over yeah. there. Like that that was his promotion, especially in t- 2009, 2010, 11. Up until he signs with WWE, like that's that's Kenta's promotion. Yeah, like, yeah, Marafuji's here. He's probably bossing the heavyweights as much as anybody, but. That's Kenta's bro. Like when I think of Noah in that time period, I'm it's thinking of Kenta. Kenta. Yeah, Kenta's such a better name than Hideo Tommy. A- any apologies yeah. to somebody named Hideo Tommy? Like I'm sorry, but Kenta, all capitals. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I- and I love that he had to be all caps because he didn't want to be like Obashi. Yeah. Well, you can't just have Kenta Kobashi and Kenta. That's weird. You got to have Kenta Kobashi and Kenta. <laughs> yes. You got to have that enthusiasm. Uh, the start of this match is fun because these yes, are two the, guys. The beginning who, is awesome. Oh, listen! Anybody who has ever seen a Kenta, I mean, even kinda Hideo Itami match, you know what the deal is with Kenta. He's gonna kick the fucking shit out of you. And we learned that Nakajima is very similar. He also would like to kick the shit out of you. Yeah, well, you know, when you come from a kickboxing MMA background, it's only yeah. natural. If all of your trainers um, are kicking people, you too will be a kicking person. Yeah, they, they exchanged really hard forearms to start the match. Then there's like a big boot exchange where they just kind of kick each other in the face over and over again. Uh, and then eventually they just each upkick each other at the exact same time and yeah. fall for a couple seconds. And Nakajima, the entire time, even when he's young, is presented as being a pretty smart guy. He's, he's, he's got a good instincts. And his instinct here is, well, Kenta keeps kicking me. So I'm going to remove his leg from his body. <laughs> and so he does some of the nastiest dragon screws I've ever fucking seen. I have watched uh, Tanahashi hit dragon screws upon dragon screws upon yep. dragon screws. If you ever saw Tanahashi Nakamura match, you know that that motherfucker will make that shit look as real as humanly possible. 
There is no uh, like I've never seen anyone hit a dragon screw more devastating than some of the dragon screws Nakajima hits throughout these matches. Specifically this match. So the first one he hits, Kenta acts like he's been shot. Like he took yeah. an arrow, he, you know, arrow to the knee. And then he <laughs> brings him over to the apron, and Nakajima then hits a dragon screw through the middle rope, which doesn't sound like it's gonna be that big of a deal, but instead of your leg being able to go down into its natural position, it's now twisted and raised at the knee yeah yeah man it's it sucks and especially i mean the the really cool one is at one point he's in the corner and just kenta's going for a kick he catches it and just twists that shit yeah kenta has to like it's very like closed space so kenta has to like contort his body in a weird way in order to make it seem like not totally unnatural yeah um and it looks fucking devastating. Like honestly, it wouldn't be shocking to me to find out that Ken's actually like kind of like hurt himself a little bit there. Not in a serious way. Like he's fine, but you know he felt a little tinge. Yeah, and so also Nakajima does things like he kicks the leg out from Kenta and then applauds the crowd. He does a basement drop kick to the bad leg. You know he's he's really focused. Whereas Kenta's just getting all these bursts of offense, right? And yes. Kenta baby face here? Question mark. Um, I would say yes. Um, they're playing. I, I think that so. Way. Yeah, it really, it very much seems like Kenta's a babyface. I don't know if he's a heel who's just very popular at this point, but I'm, I'm almost certain he's definitely a babyface with the, especially with the reactions he was getting. Kenta gets dropped like first on the steel barricade at one point on the outside. Then they are going around the outside and they have the raised uh ramp in yes. Noah. They always use the raised ramp uh it comes into play in a lot of these matches which is interesting kenta snatches nakajima off the entryway and hits a death valley driver on while on the ground which was nice that was really good yeah that was really fun uh he follows that up with like a bunch of like you know weird moves that you don't really expect a guy who's favoring his knee to do yeah like a springboard drop kick and a bunch of running moves but it's funny because he follows you know, I I like to think that he kind of did a make good on it, but maybe this was like the psychology of it where, he, you know, he got a little bit of burst of energy from his spirit, but yeah. his body gives out on him because he goes up for a power bomb, but his leg gives out on him. He still hits the power bomb, but it very much, you can tell like, oh shit, his leg gave out on him. That's I kind of like so the weird. kneeling power bomb. It's something not used by anyone ever. <laughs> hey, Evan, if when you decide to become a wrestler, that could be your move. <laughs> Have you ever thought about going to wrestling school? Uh, I did. Um, there was well, definitely how old a point. Were you? I want to see if we were the same age. <laughs> there was definitely a point in college that I wanted to be. Like I thought maybe. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. Like I, I was just doing Jeff Hardy moves off of like the top part behind my bed, yeah. onto my bed. Like I was just doing that at like the age of six. You know, like I think I never really wanted to go to wrestling school. However. There was like a week when I was 19, probably, that I was like, I yeah. should be a manager. I should go <laughs> and I should be, a man- I will be Paul Heyman. I will be Bobby the Brain Heenan. I will take bumps. I will absolutely take bumps as long as my, my client gets the dub. You know when it was? Um, it was actually after WrestleMania 34. Um, okay. I was dorming at the time. And I just remember like a little bit before that. Uh, I got into like a little bit of a spat with one of my roommates and I'm just not, I'm a good, I'm, I'm just not afraid to talk. I'm a damn good talker. Uh, and, and I was just coming back and I was just basically cutting a promo on the guy. Um, 
and it basically just after that i i you know i really got my my bug for wrestling and i was just like you know man i'm six feet tall i've got some pretty broad shoulders maybe if i fill out a little bit like i could go in there i could go of it I could cut a, a damn good promo, you know. I may not have like John Cena size or anything, but give me a few years, who knows? Yeah, you dominate the indie scene. Uh, some of the other moves that happen in this next, because they start just trading moves. Like it's a lot of yeah. trading moves, a lot of interesting things. Nakajima tried to top rope Frankensteiner, but Kenta turned into a kind of power bomb, and then there Kenta was a hits tombstone at one point. There was a tombstone by Nakajima, and it was commentary didn't react. Um, like, I don't speak Japanese, but there was like, that's cool. Actually, you know what was cool? Because he hits the tombstone, but he doesn't go for a cover. Uh, he basically pulled an Okada. Yeah. And then uh, he goes to the corner and hits a disaster kick, but to the back of the neck. Yeah. And that's when he goes for the pin. It's Which is good, because he just said tombstone was supposed to hurt the neck, so continue hurting the neck. He's moved from removing his leg from his body to his neck. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to kill you. Which in 2009 for Noah is a big no-no. We get that's true jesus christ uh <laughs> nakajima grabs the ankle for an ankle lock kent tries to roll the way grapevine locked in kenta manages to turn into an stf uh turns into a german suplex nakajima escapes with a flip out hits a brain buster for two all that in like a 45 second span it's crazy yeah the big the big uh, thing this match is barreling towards is of course the gts what yeah. is for those like i feel like there may be one listener who's like i don't know what the gts is or hey isn't that cm punk's move is it CM Punk's move, Javier? Hell no! It was it was Kenta's <laughs> move. He literally stole it from Kenta. Uh, yeah, the GTS is Kenta's move. I don't know if he originated it, if I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure someone probably had it before yeah. him. But he's definitely the guy that made it popular. He brought it into the mainstream. Um, CM Punk obviously then took it and brought it into an even more vast audience. But no one hits it like Kenta. CM Punk's like the white people are gonna love this. CM Punk drops people on his knee. Kenta yeah. fucking knees people in the face. That's, That's the difference. That is the distinct difference. Kenta tries the GTS, gets turned into a victory roll. Nakajima hits one of the biggest running kicks I've ever seen in my life. Uh, a kick to the back of Kenta's neck. He kicks out. Kenta then hits a GTS, but it doesn't quite connect the way he wants it to. Nakajima keeps kicking out. Kenta then means business. He pulls down the knee pad. Yes. Nakajima then, you know, hits some strikes, super kick, gets caught going for his little crescent heel kick, uh, and gets caught. GTS, one, two, three. Kenta. Kenta is our champion. That spin, that finish was fucking incredible. That the catch of the crescent kick. kick is incredible. Yeah, that little fucking crescent kick that he does right and just he catches him so cleanly. Kenta's not a big guy. The strength no. to be able to catch him was insane. And then to turn that, take him, bring him, flip him around, bring him right on his shoulders and hit the GTS in, in like a very smooth transition. Like it didn't look clunky at any point. It's, it was incredible. We're now moving to a match, which is weird. It's undated. We don't know when it is because, you know, longtime listeners will realize that we put these matches in chronological order, you know, progress through a wrestler's career. We have a general idea that this match comes between the last match and the next match. We just I can don't tell know, you when. We just don't know when or, or where. So I'm going to guess it's like 2010. <laughs> sounds right. Just based on Kenta Kobashi's face. Let's talk about the match. It's, it is Nakajima teaming with Kensuke Sasaki against Kenta 
and Kenta Kobashi. Yeah, man. I normally, is... normally say where it is. We will fucking know. <laughs> it's in Japan. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true. It's not. It, it's not in Baltimore. You know. <laughs> no, definitely not. It is not in in Edmonton. <laughs> not like our last mini sode. Go listen to that if you haven't already. Oh yes, yes, yeah. very much. Recover. Excellent, excellent, excellent segues. Um, this is a businessman right here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I know my things. Nakajima with some of the coolest gear I've seen so far in the year 2023. He's got like the weird yeah. blue and orange gear with like multicolored. It's awesome. Very fast and furious of him. I can tell that like Nakajima's getting a little more comfortable. He's getting a little more swagger in his steps because he really does come across as like really young and like look at all these moves I can do in the last match. This yeah. one, still a little bit of that. And then it kind of, we'll talk about it. It dips and then he gets way better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He gets way better. Uh, what do you think of this match? I thought that the finish sucked, but aside from that, I thought the action was pretty good. Um, the I finish especially thought is garbage. Yeah, I especially thought that Kensuke uh, Sasaki was really good in this match. Yeah, he, who who is Sasaki? I don't even really know to be honest. Like he, he this match kind of like put me on to oh, like I had heard the name, but I don't yeah. think I've never seen any of his matches. Um. And this match really just put me on to, I need to watch more of this guy. This guy reminds me of like Ishii, but like a, an older Ishii. You know, he yeah. hasn't been influenced by the modern day styles and stuff. He's just a, he's a smaller, like I, I air quotes on smaller. He's probably yeah. like six feet tall. But we're all, to we're all smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Like compared to Kabashi, he's like a little, maybe let's say if Kabashi's like six one, he's like five one. Um, and he's like a really thick dude who's just like fucking clubbing people and doing all this fun shit. Uh, yeah. And in a match that has Kenta and Nakajima who just want to go boss to the wall fast and all this stuff. It's just a really cool contrast where Kambashi is definitely the older, more grounded, uh, more stiff uh, sort of. But 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 also like with stiff with finesse, I, w- I like to say with Kobashi. Whereas... Sasaki is just stiff. Like, I'm just going to club you. I'm going to fuck you up right now. Yeah. I will say the big guys, looking at Kobashi and Sasuke, go to the uh, well of let's stand and hit each other, maybe a little too frequently in this. Yeah. However, <laughs> I agree. Sasuke, at one point, like four minutes into the match, his chest looks like ground beef. Like, it's just blood and it's rippled. And it's on sale in the value pack. And the funny thing is, in this episode, not even the fastest time that someone's had their chest bloodied. No, we'll talk about that soon. Um, the general aura of the match you kind of covered, it's there's two young guys, one on either side, who want to go balls to the wall, kick each other in the face, and just do that. Whereas there's these two old vets who are huge on either side who are like, let's slow it down and grind them into submission. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the chop battle was pretty cool when we see the two old guys into the ring. So it's a, it's another hot start between yeah. Kenta and Nakajima. And then the, the old guys tag in. They slow it the fuck down. They do a lot of big moves. You know, Sasaki, it's a big clothesline, half and half suplex. There's a test of strength. Kobashi has a, good, a lot of good facials. Um, and then it just kind of... Then we get the first mix, which I believe is Kenta and Sasaki. Yeah. Um, or Sasaki. Uh, and... Kenta starts stiffing him. Sasaki's not a fan of that. No, he just <laughs> lariats him to death. He just fucking 
facts. Um, at one point, it's really cool. So I love how fluid Japanese refs are when it comes to tag matches. Like yeah. as long as the action's outside of the ring, we don't really care because no, Kenta gets to the outside. Chill. And Nakajima's just able to fuck him up if he wants. Um, so he tries, like, helping his partner, all this stuff. At one point, Kenta just whips him into the barricade. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, it really just goes, I think, from that point on. Like, it's just a lot of action happening. And, we'll send, you know, we've got a, a little sprinkle of Nakajima kicking people. We've yeah. got Kobashi fucking chopping the shit out of everybody. Uh, we've, we've got Kenta kicking someone super hard. We've got Sasuke... Uh, fucking clubbing the shit out of someone here. You know, it's a lot of stuff like that. But what I think is really cool is that everyone kind of has a targeted spot. Yeah. Like Nakajima is really favoring his his lower back in this match. Uh, Kenta is really favoring his knee in this match. Uh, Kabashi is really favoring his retirement plan because this motherfucker <laughs> was definitely looking to get the fuck out of the ring because this is... Probably the worst Kenzo Kobashi match I've ever seen. He he is kind of reduced to Chop Man. Like he's just yeah. though I will say he hits a chop on on Nakajima that knocks him off of the top turnbuckle and to the ground, and then just chops him all the way around the ring and into the barricade at ringside. Uh yeah. Um and then he he's just. I don't know, man. It's like you mentioned early on. They really went to the well with the two bigs a little this, too yeah, often. Yeah. It's like, imagine, and obviously these these wrestlers are not as talented as Kenta Kobashi. Don't come at me. I get it. But imagine yeah. they got a tag match, and the tag match has Mark Henry on one side and Big Show on the other. and With, like, Daniel Bryan and fucking uh, <laughs> Ricochet. I don't know. I just, I just pick somebody. And it's yeah. like, yeah, young guy's coming in, and then all of a sudden it slows down, and it's like, beef fight. And it's like, yeah, that's good every once in a while. But it, the the other thing is that the, the brawls between Sasuke and uh, Kobachi looked the same. It was just a lot of chop and chop and chop. Yeah. And chop. It, was, it was a little much. And it, it really made Nakajima stand out, which is tough because you see, hey, you're going to be in a match with Kenta Kobashi and Kenta. Nakajima has some really good moments and some really good selling. I'm yes. very impressed with the selling of Nakajima in this match. It's not yeah, his Yeah, he best, was selling his better. soul. He was selling yeah. his soul for Kobashi. Uh, at one point here, I will say there was a really cool exchange between the two big guys uh, where Kobashi DDT'd uh, the arm of Sasuke yes. uh, like three times and then put on a Juju Katani, which is pretty cool. Um, at one point, we got a really cool attack. I know that, that Sasuke and uh, Nakajima tagged a bunch for a few yeah. years there. He was his mentor. Yeah, and there was this really cool spot where Sasuke kind of hits a t- does a tilt a whirl on Nakajima. Nakajima hits a leg drop on Kobashi. Yeah. Uh, then we get uh, some textbook, you know, vintage Kobashi, as Michael Cole would probably like to say. You know, he does a back fist into a half and half into a lariat for a near fall. If I had to hear Michael Cole say vintage Kobashi, I think I would simply disintegrate on the spot. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I feel like Michael Cole would fucking love Kenta Kabashi. He probably does love Kenta Kabashi. I really do think Michael Cole watches this shit. I, like, just everything. The absolute, and he's just, like, doesn't allow himself to, to do it on air when he's calling WWE uh, programming nowadays. The absolute but he, turnaround like, has it in of his Michael bag. Cole. Like, 
I hated this man. I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I went to a, to a SmackDown taping when I was like nine and I took photos on an actual digital camera and I got them printed out. And what I did was I took notes of everything that happened to me. We like videotaped or VHS the SmackDown when it aired. And yeah. I took notes of everything that happened. So I remembered all the matches and I, then I wrote them on the back of the, of the photos in the back of a photo of Michael Cole and Taz. I wrote, um, Michael Cole and Taz are the announcers for SmackDown. Taz is fun. I hate Michael Cole. I want to replace him one day. Like that <laughs> nine year old me was like, I am gunning for Michael Cole's job. Michael Cole is not that bad anymore. Michael Cole and SmackDown, fuck you. But that's still my favorite commentary duo ever. I don't care. That's my childhood team is Michael Cole and Taz. So I'm I just going to say, I know that's my team right there. Um, young, young me was gunning for the, t- for the title. Speaking of gunning for the goddamn title, Kenta at one point hits a GTS uh, on Nakajima. Sasuke saves it. And then we really get to the finish where Sasuke and Kabashi are just going to town on one another. And then in the background, you just see Nakajima and Kenta sort of trading pins. And then you hear the bell. uh, And I'm like, at first, I was like, oh, shit, did someone pin someone? No, they just threw out the match. (laughs) Double DQ. This match really would have done well with a finish. I don't care what the finish is, but that's not a finish. It's literally the definition of a no finish. You just we're done wrestling now. Yeah, it's a no contest. It's as if the the whistle went and everyone's like, all right, shift's over. Time to go home. (laughs) Gonna go see the missing. Yeah, it's like Wiley Coyote and the Sheep. It's a very very old cartoon reference for somebody. All right. Uh, after the match, they do show respect. There's like a whole yes. show of respect thing. They lift each other's arms, all that stuff. And then Nakajima and Kenta just start brawling. <laughs> of course. They can't help it. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we are looking at one of Nakajima's shots at the GHC Heavyweight Championship. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Back from the break. We are at Ark Yamakasa, July 21st, 2014. It is the GHC Heavyweight Championship of the World, and it is our boy Nakajima, and he's going up against Naomichi Marafuji. Who is Marafuji? Marafuji was very much the top guy in Noah during their down period. Um, After Kenta left, it really much, it, it was him and Kenta, I would say, for, you know, the two guys. Kenta, I think, was the bigger star, personally. Um, but obviously Kenta then goes, he signs with the fed. Uh, so he sells, 
<laughs> so uh, Marafuji stays, and he's kind of just their top guy. He's their ace for for a long time there. And you know Nakajima, he's a guy who's been around for a long time at this point. You know you could very well see him be one of those guys who uh, could could maybe get the ball going because everyone's familiar with him and he clearly has a lot of talent, but. He just hasn't reached that point yet, and this is really his first crack at uh, getting that spot at a time where Noah really needs someone to take that that uh, that torch and run with it. Yeah, it's always interesting to look at a company when they haven't found the guy yet, when they're yeah. still like, "Who's gonna be the guy?" And sometimes it's forced on you. Like Roman Reigns was forced on us for a while. <laughs> And then Roman Reigns were like, not maybe not organically, maybe organically, but like they just did it right the next time. It's like, okay, here it is. They just turned him heel. They just turned him heel. What we've been saying since the year of our Lord 2015. Who I will say it? Roman has grown exponentially as a performer. Like the stuff that he's able to do, especially yeah. like with controlling the crowd reactions, yeah. I think he's excellent. But the way you look at it, you see a – you see a company and they're like, they, they have who's next? Who's the next guy up? And then Nakajima yeah. has a chance to be that guy. Absolutely has a chance to be that guy. He looks a little different here now. He's a little older. It's 2014. He's got the long pants on. He's got the uh, London and Kendrick fit going. Yeah, a little less of a baby face going on. Uh, speaking of fits, Marafuji, the entrance get a big red anime helmet and shoulder pads. Incredible. No notes. You look, you look incredible. Love Doing it. amazing, sweetie. Yeah, exactly. Chris, Chris Jenner, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Um, this match is, when I mentioned earlier, like you see the dip. This match is in a, feels like a very small hall. The yeah. cameras are less. There are less of them. They are maybe it small. It feels like an impact pay-per-view. <laughs> it does. It does feel a little bit more like an impact pay-per-view, which is weird because the last two felt much bigger. So it's interesting yeah. to see, like, we talk about, oh, well, this company's on the decline. This is what that looks like. This is the the pairback. This is the, we need to cut some people and some some corners and make it a little bit more of a more economical product if the cash flow isn't coming in. Yeah, I mean, look, and you see it in the crowd. Like, I, I, I don't think they sold out, even in this small venue. No. It doesn't look like the crowd is really that big. Um, it, I don't know, it just... It just feels like this match didn't have that energy. It really felt like one of those matches that we would cover, like if we covered an old Ring of Honor match, you know, from like yeah. 2005 or something. Like, especially in the Danielson episodes and the Punk episode, we, we saw a bunch of that where, like, yeah, you know, you hear some noise, but it's still very much like a match that you could just tell there's not really that much of an importance. Yeah. Speaking of the match in general, I'm going to out you on the podcast. You said before we started recording, this is your least favorite match. Yes. It, it's just, I thought that they did a little too much of the working of limbs. Yes. Uh, as, whereas, you know, th there's just no story. Like, I, I really think that the story here should be Nakajima wanting Marufuji's spot. Like, I want to be the one that leads this company uh, into that next phase of what Noah's going to be. And but maybe we really missed a little bit of that storytelling in terms of not, like, there's a language barrier. Everything here is in Japanese. Maybe we missed some of that story. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I, I will say that Kenta Kabashi, 
um, episode, you really see a lot. Like we didn't know uh, what the hell they were saying, but you could see in the match a lot of the uh, jockeying for position in there between him and Masawa, him and those yeah. ta- in that tag match that was excellent. You really see a lot of jockeying between that because it's you know it's for this. And I know for a fact that this is Nakajima's one of his chances to really get to like elevate himself on that level. And all he's doing is just going for the knee, going for the knee, going for the knee. And and you know what? That makes sense. It's smart. It really it brings down Marafuji. And that would be great if Marafuji was Kenta. Marafuji's not Kenta. He doesn't rely on kicks. He doesn't rely on all this stuff. He's very much a, a ground based wrestler. He's the first guy we see who doesn't do kicks. Like he's just in not. the whole episode, he's the first guy who doesn't really kick that much. Um, the way I, was, I describe Marafuji is honestly like if you take Shinsuke Nakamura and you remove the kicks, you, like he's just a ground-based guy. That yeah. is what Marafuji is, and maybe a little less pizzazz because nobody has as much pizzazz as Mister Nakamura. The other thing, talking specifically about Nakajima, and I was mentioning this to you before we started recording too. This is the match where. If I'm a if I'm a fan, if I'm a lifelong fan of Nakajima, at this point in the career, I'm probably looking like, when's he gonna just like really trim the fat on what he does? Cause yeah. all the moves, really crisp, really good. Lots of variety, lots of different moves in here. It's the it's the actions in the ring. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting a lot. Yeah. And it's weird, because I feel like sometimes we're not that critical of matches because you and I are just genuinely fans, and we can't do this shit. But it's weird when I can kind of pick it out and be like, you haven't really figured out your thing yet. Like you're gonna, cause I see it in the next couple matches. You really figure it out. You're so much better at it. And this is like, he's kind of acquired so much skill. And now he's like, okay, I, there's so many tricks in my bag, but you could just need to be good at six of them. And then, yeah, use them. I, you know what I think it is, um, is not as much so, but uh, I would say it's a very much reminiscent of Adam Page or pretty early on in the AEW run. Okay. Um, where, you know, like you, we knew Adam Page was a damn good wrestler because he was. He had, he had you know, the match against Jericho is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and you kind of saw that growth over time until he gets to that point where, you know, he's their most popular babyface and he's going to get elevated to that championship status. And by the time he has his match with Kenny, not only can he perform at that very high level where he can go super long in matches, and do a very good job and have those excellent matches. But you also kind of see a more refinement in him yeah. as an in-ring performer. Like he's not as it's not really a he's not in the steal your steal the show kind of mode. He's not in the yeah. do cool shit type of mode. He's in the okay, I'm this character. I'm this kind of like this is what I want to be. So let me like kind of bring that out. Let me like think and use those things and, and like really elevate this performance. Uh, not just because of cool moves, but because we have a story to tell. You know who else did that? Cody Rhodes. Fuck yes. Like Cody, all everyone's like, what a talent, what a blue chipper. And then he goes on this independent run and he like expands his moveset, but also clearly refines like, this is my character. This is who I am. Watch me do it. And everyone paid good fucking money to do it. People wanted to see Cody. And say what you want about Cody's AEW run. Um, you know, I think that very much towards the end of there, it was very stale and he needed a change of some kind, whether that yeah. have, would have been a heel turn or what it was. Um, but he was still putting on really good matches. That ladder match with Sammy Guevara at the end there for the TNT title was fucking excellent. Um, and, you know, it, it really, it really 
was kind of like a good point to jump off on because yeah, it was down in AW, but then he pops up in WWE and his three classic matches with Seth Rollins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like uh and he's just yeah, I think that's a that's a really nailed on point and, and it's one that I feel like we can get more into with the next the, with the coming matches because you very much see that point where it shifts. But this is still that point where it's like it's kind of reaching a boiling point for him where he kind of just has to decide like a change needs to happen. Um, so what's it going to be? In terms of ma- moves in this match, I want to talk about one literally fucking 60 seconds into the match and Nakajima's chest is red. He literally he was bleeding. I feel like the second he walked out. He probably like he was already bleeding before he got out there. I guess they yeah. had a chest mat, like a, a chest to chest confrontation with before this even started. Also, that last bit of us talking is probably the most insightful analysis we ever had in this podcast. It's the longest we've ever gone without like a dick joke or something. Like that's incredible. <laughs> we've never done this before. People at home are listening and like, am I listening to NPR? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I mean, shit, man. When you have. A performer like Nakajima, who I think has so many shades to to him, because he he does have a, a different background to a lot of this guy, these guys. Like it's really like, you know, the 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 MMA to to Japanese wrestling pipeline is is very expansive. You know, yeah. you have those guys who came through uh, in the in the two thousands because Japanese was or uh, MMA was so big in Japan because yeah. of pride and all that. Uh, you know, you have like guys like Nakamura who who went down that route as well, and were kind of like forced in a way to go that route by by New Japan and, and, and a lot of the dojos uh, because it made sense. Uh, and Nakajima was one of those. I don't know if that was he was one of those guys for that reason, but he 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 does have that MMA background, and it's just weird because you don't really see it as often no. in those early edges. Like if you think about it, early on here, what's the difference between him? As an MMA guy, uh, doing all that stuff, uh, you know, coming from that background, what's the difference in those first two matches between that and a guy like Kota Ibushi, who's just like really fast and also kicks people and does all this athletic shit and is a genuinely great wrestler? You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. He doesn't have the same background. Yeah, Yeah, like you would just think, oh, he's just a really talented, fast guy who hits hard. More weird moves. Marifuji hits a pile driver on the ring apron, which, if you didn't know, is the hardest part of the ring. It's my it's my favorite thing that they always say. Uh, I don't speak Japanese, but I know that they said that. Uh, Marafuji then has Nakajima in the ring. He's he's on his back, and he just puts feet on either side of Nakajima's head and just spins himself. Yeah, and I love the, that move. It's it makes no sense. I fucking love it. It's it, it, here's the thing. It does because it like it snaps your head a little bit. It just and it, looks like, fucks like a, your neck. It just looks like a really weird move, and I hate when people touch my ears. So I would, I would hate it. I would hate it. You should not have told me that. Next time I have to go up to Canada. If you go near my ears, I will, I will freak out. I will see red, man. <laughs> Bodies will hit the floor. That's when the heel turn comes, and it's the unexpected one of Evan a, turning heel. <laughs> exactly. That would be big for the podcast if I turned heel. What a surprise. Um, oh man. And then it, the next, like, they have a lot of moves. I feel like we kind of end up talking about just where Nakajima's at instead of the match, which is fine. Um, at one point, he does hit, like, he gets a uh, a combo of, uh, Marafuji does, gets a combo of, uh, he does, like, Andrade's DDT. Yeah. Like, but it's also a mix of that with the Death Rider, where, because he elevates him. That's pretty cool. Nakajima hits a, a brain buster. Uh, 
there's like a thrust kick, like a bunch of thrust kicks in the corner. Marafuji hits a sliced bread slash Dudley dog. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, Nakajima hits a superplex, then follows that up with a big PK for a near fall. I, I do love Nakajima's PK because he will take it at yeah. any opportunity. Hell yeah, as he should. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's not the best PK. Obviously, no. we, we know that the, the best PK is is your Bizzo. Uh, <laughs> My Bizzo. That's a word that's, that's never... Boy. Even, even Snoop Dogg himself wouldn't have said Bizzo. <laughs> that's your boy right there. Um, but, you know... It, it's it's one of those moves where I feel like it's really hard to fuck up a PK, but I feel yeah, like only certain guys can do a PK. Like I've never seen anyone who isn't skinny do a PK. Like That's hey, true. think about it. Zack Saber Jr. is the guy who's who's most famous for hitting one these days. Yeah. Zack Saber Jr. is probably the skinniest wrestler in professional wrestling. That's true. If Zack Saber Jr. turns to his side, he's invisible. You just can't see him. He should steal John Cena's taunt. All right, finish the match. Uh, there's a su- trading super kicks, bridging German Nakajima for a two. Marafuji hits some big kicks, getting a little space. And then I don't know what the name of the movie hits is. Uh, Porsche Flosion. So it's, it's, a ti- it's, it's a version of Ev- Emerald Flosion. Okay. Yeah, because he, he, if you look at it, he does it is, he hits it from the side. So it is yeah. like a Flosion. But it's kind of like he, he, ra- he takes his right leg, puts it over his left in like a figure four kind of style just to kind of just wrap him up a little bit and then he kind of lifts him up and hits like a flosion slam basically and he wins so he retains the title yes in the interim between this match and our next match nakajima would win his first ghc heavyweight championship on october 23rd 2016 from takashi segura and is in the midst of that reign in our next match versus brian cage ghc heavyweight championship of course on the line noah summer navigation july 27th 2017 has Brian Cage had a company figure out how to use him properly yet? Yes, one. It was Lucha, Lucha Underground. Underground. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only one. But since he's been Brian Cage, nobody knows how to book him right. My thing with Brian Cage is there was oh, like he is the quintessential WWE guy. Absolutely. He Why is he not there? Absolutely perfect there, but he just never went. Yeah, or he was there very early on, but he was a completely different looking guy. He was a different, like it was the early 2010s, and he's just not at all the same. It was person. a different time, yeah. Yeah, he absolutely blew up as muscle wise, and also as a performer, he's very, very talented. But the guy has like zero charisma. He's not a good talker at all. Yeah, which is why Lucha Underground works because it was a cinematic program, and his whole thing was he's the machine. He's the machine. He's he like a robot. He didn't need to talk. <laughs> He's and really he good awesome. in this match. He's really good in this match. Yeah, I told you before the recording, I think this is Brian Cage's best match. Um, I, I think, think it's either fair. this or he has a he has a match. Uh, I, I think it's in uh, one of the last, I think it's season two. It might be the end of season two. It might be, it might be actually the last episode of season one um, where he, has a, he had a match against Willie Mack. I think it was Falls Count Anywhere. That was fucking excellent. And I think up to this point, it was probably the best match of his career. Really, Matt uh, got but, really hot for like a year there. And he's really he's talented. He's black stone cold, baby. He's really talented. I like Willie Mack a lot. He's an uh, impact. I believe he's, an, he's a tag performer in impact. Nakamura, or not, not Nakamura, Nakajima really has figured it out. 
in the in the interim yeah. here. It's been three years. He's now the champion. He's got lighter hair. He's back to the short trunk, Randy Orton style trunks. He has figured it out. Everything is every move has a has a meaning. Everything he does has a meaning in the story. Very clear story here. He's smaller than Cage. He's gonna have to work oh, he's gonna have to out wrestle him and outspeed him. Everything he does is in in that vein. Yeah. Um I I just will say as soon as I saw Nakajima here, I was like, there it is. Right there. He yeah. just looked That's like the he's got it now. The like it's he, always interesting when you can pinpoint and a change in a guy where you're like, that's fucking it. Like Yeah. I can tell you right now, when Heyman Adam Page put on the tr- the trunks, or not the trunks, the, the tights instead of yeah. the trunks that he used to wear, yeah. I was like, there it is. That's the fucking guy. And obviously it's not uh, as extreme as this, but you know, the Stone Cold shaved his head. That's it. That's the well, look. Well, he just went bald. <laughs> I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay. If you say so, man. Yeah. Although, didn't he come into the WWE bald? No, he had hair. Oh, all right. He had like the littlest bit of hair, but he was also blonde as fuck. So it was already like hard to see. He had the light catch it a certain way. It's like Uh, it's like how when the light hit Trump at a certain angle, you could see straight behind him. Or like when you know John Cena turns around and you see the big ass bald spot. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, the match starts. Cage immediately charges Nakajima, rams him into the corner. Um, at one point, pretty early on, he catches Nakajima, who tries to do a move off of the apron, and just puts him in a powerbomb position, toss powerbomb right into the post. And we get some more big, strong moves from Cage, scoop slam, standing moonsault for a two, crashes into a springboard moonsault off the top rope, Nakajima wisely rolls away, and then Nakajima going back to the well of things he knows, hey, this guy needs to be slowed down, let's dragon screw him to death. Insiguri dropkick, uh... A lot of good stuff here. Nakajima rolls through a powerball at one point for a two. Cage then hits like a side breaker Death Valley driver combo. And I was like, yeah. this really is Cage on fire right now. He's pulling all the things out of his bag. Yeah, at one point he effortlessly picks him up for a military press and then just drops him right into a power slam. <laughs> he hits a 619. Brian Cage yes. hits a 619 in this match. It's, it falls out with a picture, at, like a picture perfect flying elbow off the top rope. Yeah, he, I was like, he's ripping off Ray, he's ripping off Randy Savage. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, Nakajima wasn't without his his little not. Uh, you know, he he was in his bag as well. He drops a super kick right into a Saito suplex for a near fall. Yeah. Uh, he and then he's like, you know what, man, I'm really good at fucking kicking people. So he just starts kicking the ever loving shit out of Brian three Cage. super kicks in a row to Cage. Yeah. Uh, Cage, you know, it is, I, I think there are not many people in wrestling who can hit a discus lariat at like an extremely high level. I, I think Brian Cage is absolutely at the, like towards the top of that list, yeah. if not at the top of that list right now. It's true. Brody Lee was up there. Brody Lee was probably number Brody one Lee was, if Brody was the guy. for the longest yeah. time there, the but, but Cage is fucking amazing at it. The green canvas of Noah. Thoughts? I am like I like it because I'm used to it, but I yes. can understand if you don't like the fact that it's not white. I well, don't phrase it that way. That makes me sound racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Why isn't it white? Uh, I I it's actually just like it everywhere. I like it because it's one of the few ways you can change up the way it looks. Like 
if you're looking at a shot and you don't have any other information, you don't know what company is. If you establish like we've got the green apron, great. I can tell immediately from a clip. Oh, that's a Noah clip. You know what I mean? Like yes. I, it immediately, and I only realized it in four matches. I'm like, oh shit, like pretty much all the canvases have been green. And that means it's Noah. Like my brain has now associated that. And that's good. Same way, you know, you classic, you see the six side ring. You're like, oh, it's a TNA clip. Cool. And then you see a four side yeah. ring. You're like it's TNA when it's shit. All right. That's cool. Oh, hey, hey, TNA. I, I will say Impact <laughs> has had a, a, a series of bangers. I think Josh Alexander has actually had a pretty good title reign. Um, Impact has a crazy uh, hard to kill. Uh, we're recording the night of hard to kill. So we don't know yeah. what happened. Have you seen the full card for this? It's crazy. I think, isn't it kicking off with the title match between Alexander and Bully Ray? I think so. It's a full, it's what's it called full metal mayhem match. I think it's kicking off with that match. Um, it's also got Jordan Grace versus Mickey James title versus career. Jonathan Gresham versus Eddie Edwards. Joe Hendry versus Moose. Trey Miguel versus Black Taurus. Uh, four team world tag title match. Four women's number one contender match with like Masha Slamovich and Diana Perrazzo and Killer Kelly. Like that's a banger of a show. Good for TNA. Yeah. Good for Impact. Yeah. And shit, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but last month, uh, and uh, there was a sixty-minute match between Josh Alexander and Speedball Mike Bailey that yeah. was fucking excellent. I went and watched it. It's I think it's on YouTube. It is really fucking good. I highly recommend it. It's one of those things where like the match went sixty minutes and they didn't announce in advance, and yeah. those are just the best. Shout out to Speedball as well for winning Bola. Yes, Speedball has been really good for a really long time. It's it sucks that he wasn't able to work here for five years because of that whole visa issue. But yeah, that guy was fucking awesome before that, and it's really cool that he's getting his flowers now that he's back. Let's talk about near the end of the match. Cage catches Nakajima off the top rope, hits a tombstone driver for a two count. Oh shit! Uh, Cage then goes to the top turnbuckle. Oh, you you got something? Well, for the tombstone. At one point, Cage goes. So Cage does an F five, but he calls it an F ten because he spins him around more. Uh, he goes for that. <laughs> Nakajiva grabs him while he's about to get rotated. Right as he's getting rotated, grabs him and turns it into a fucking Canadian destroyer. <laughs> oh yes! How can I forget the flipping pile driver of it all? Then you know, after the tombstone driver, Cage goes on the top turnbuckle. Nakajima with a series of kicks gets a little space. Super brainbuster. Cage pops right up immediately. We get a yeah. head kick to Cage. Nakajima with a brainbuster. And a three count retains his title. He will be challenged after the match. Did you stick around to see who challenged him? Uh was it was it uh Davey Richards? It was Eddie Edwards. You were so close. <laughs> Eddie Edwards. I actually, just saw one of them and I was like, oh, it's a wolf. Okay, I can leave. Eddie Edwards would actually be the one to dethrone Nakajima. He would take the title August 26, 2017. We are going to take a break. When we get back, we got one more Nakajima match against Go Shiozaki. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back from the break, Nakajima would win his second and, as of recording, final GHC Heavyweight Championship. I'm sure he'll get one more at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I, I want to say that, but unless he's got a heel turn in him, there's no way he's beating Kano. Fair. Kaido. He won it from Marafuji October in 2021, and we have him defending it on the New Year show for Noah in 2022 against Go Shiozaki. Shiozaki agreed to Nakajima's condition for getting a title shot, which was that Shiozaki would never use the catchphrase, I am Noah again, if Nakajima won. Because Nakajima had started saying it in Japanese, and they were having an argument over who is Noah. Yeah, I mean, these are two guys who, like I mentioned earlier, had been there from uh, the exact same amount of time. If if you, they had actually, the first time they ever had a match together was back in 2005. The tag match that we saw earlier, Kenta and Kenta versus... uh, Sasuke and Nakajima. It was the exact same match, just instead of regular Kenta, uh, it was Goshizaki yeah. and Kenta Kabashi uh, versus those two. And it's a go 16 years later. And these are the two faces of Noah at this point. Um, it's insane. And yeah, you know, you could say they, they both have a claim to that, uh, that statement because it's very, very. <laughs> very okay to say yeah these these guys are noah they've been there since yeah. they've been there through it all when it was still at its peak uh through the decline to now when it's rising again and let's talk about the rise because big arena the camera work is sick they got those cool 4k cameras for the entrances nakajima has a banger of a theme song he's got this dope yes. red jacket on he's got blonde hair because we all went through phases during the pandemic so good for him like he's he's clearly going through his I have a bottle of peroxide in the house let's party phase, which I didn't consider blonde but I did consider him like what if I fuck up my hair during during quarantine yeah. I had nothing else to do and my hair was so long at the time yeah I, I mean a little more uh, context for this match by the way um, so Shizaki won at, won the title in 2019 I believe okay. Um, and he he went on like a really really good title reign. That honestly, like I think that's really the point where if you look at Noah over the last decade, that's really the point where interest started to come back into the company. Was that title run that he had? It um, was I, January twenty twenty to February twenty twenty one. Was it okay? Yeah. Um, and Nakajima at one point turned turned on him during the title raid. They had a good couple matches, and maybe it was just a great match or whatever. Um, I believe Shiozaki was injured for most of 2021. Are you sure it was that? I mean, he also has another title ring, but it's only a month or two months in May and June 2016. So, Okay, understandable. Uh, and then he, he was wins injured it again for, in, April, in April 2022. So, Yeah, he was injured for a lot of it. Uh, and Nakajima comes back. He... Or is not so so Shiozaki comes back after his injury, challenges Nakajima for the title. Um it's Nakajima's second reign. 
feels like uh you know it feels like this is his moment um yeah. and these two guys are now vying for okay noah's on the upturn we you know who really is the reason for this you know whose company is it going to be it really it, it would it would be okay either way uh and that's really the the point of this match is who's going to be the ace of Noah moving forward. And it is it is cheating a little bit because we have English commentators who explain a lot of the, like they were former tag partners at one point. They've been longtime competitors, all these things. And the English commentators they have. The main guy doing commentary, great. Just calling the action, doing down the middle. I kept getting distracted by the second guy because he has what I'm going to call FIFA announcer syndrome. <laughs> where, you know, when you're playing FIFA and they have the guy just doing the... That looks good there. Down the line. Good if it goes. And it's just like he kept, he had that little English lilt in everything just, he did. It's just, it's just. Good boot there. And Diaz. Yeah, it's just, it was that all the time. Foden. Nakajima. Absolute fucking riz. Let's talk about it. Two foot choke <laughs> in the corner. He's lounging on the middle rope while choking Shiozaki stares down the camera does a little eyebrow flick i'm like he's figured it all out it's the whole i think he's a popular heel is what he is at this point he's all and it's all there you can see it all it's all there the in-ring now matches the look matches the fucking style matches it's all there it's so nice to see somebody put it together like that yeah at one point shizaki hits a knee uh running knee on the outside uh they get back into the ring then it's that kick to the face kick to the back and then the overconfident cover. Yeah. Which Nakajima's—he's just got the stilo on him this whole match. He really this is does. very he's much in like, it. He stares bro, down the corner camera. This one point, he, he puts uh, he puts Shizaki in the corner and he's beating him up, and then he looks up to the corner cam they have there and just like gives it a weird like smile, like he's hitting on it from across a bar. And I yeah. was like, oh shit, is is Nakajima trying to steal my girl? Is that what's going on right now? I really do believe that wrestling. Like the point where you reach your prime is from the ages of like thirty two to thirty seven, thirty eight. I really yeah. do feel like that's that's the point where you're, like I would say that most wrestlers that's the case. Um, and it's it, he's right there. He's at, the, at this point he's probably thirty three years old. Yeah. You know, I've got a I've got a question for you then. If that's it, if that's the the prime age, who is a younger wrestler that you're looking forward to what they are at that age? Oh my God, Ricky Starks! Ricky Starks is twenty nine. He might he might even be thirty. If I'm being honest with you, uh, he, I know he's he's in his at least his late twenties, and I oh, he's already getting that push now to, Ricky to becoming Starks is one of 32. the guys. Thirty two. He's thirty two. Okay, yeah. So you see, I I I really do like he's getting that push now to become uh, one of those top faces. Uh, for the future there with AW, and I really do believe that by the time he gets to 33, 34, that guy's going to be on top of the goddamn world. Uh, another one is Darby Allen. Darby yeah. Allen, by the time he's 33, is going to be at least a one-time AEW world champion. Yeah. Jungle Boy, I think, yeah. is going to be right there. The, here's one that I want to say for the WWE side that I think is going to be really good. Carmelo Hayes, by the time yes. he's 33 yes. years old, yep. that dude is going to be the fucking face of that company. You know who I have all the stock in? and I think you can guess who it is. Uh, Better Carmelo not be Hay- Braun Breaker because I own no. all of it. Carmelo Hayes is 28, by the way, so he's he's still got yeah. lots of years. 
Christian, yeah. uh, what is it? Christian Charisma, something? No, not uh, his name on the Indies was was like Christian Casanova. That's what no, it was. That's great. He, was a, he was a Northeast wrestler. He's really good. You know who I've got all the stock in in the world, and I'll I'll Go hold on. it. I'll hold it. I don't care how it's going. Montez Ford, baby. I have all the Montez stock. I do. I think he's gonna be really fucking big. Look, he's charisma, gonna be a big deal. Talent. He's got it. He gets it. He, he's bigger now. He's bigger. bigger. He's filled he's out bigger. so much yeah. more now. He, that singles run is imminent. He's man. starting. He's starting to lift the same weight that Bianca does, and he's getting bigger. <laughs> Bianca Bianca Belair might be the strongest like woman I've ever seen in my life. She's it's fucking nuts. Yeah, she she's is crazy. insane. She's a she's an incredible athlete. Like well, she was a CrossFit queen for so half, long before she even two signed of them WWE. just run the company for a while. I just, yeah. I just heels. Make them heels. Turn them both heel and just have them go. Honestly, turn Angelo heel too. Have Dawkins be there with them. It's like a, it's like a Ron Hermione and Harry situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wait, That's... but but Ron and Hermione are the couple. So does that mean that Dawkins is Harry? Is yeah, Dawkins da- the chosen one? Dawkins is the boy who lived, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> Nakajima's in control for a good point. <laughs> Nakajima's in control. Um, early on in the match, or pretty, pretty in the next phase of the match, he he does missile drop kicks, uh, a PK on the apron. Um, yeah. at, at one point, he kicks Shizaki so fucking hard uh, that he took out the 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 screen from the commentary team. Yeah, that was great. And he's, uh, they and ended he's, up, he's just running him around ringside, too, into the guardrail. Uh, Nakajima makes an announcer applaud for him during that, too, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he they, they start trading strikes on the ramp, and it ends with Nakajima hitting a, D, a Death Valley driver right on that shit. It is nice. It is very, very nice. Uh, then he hits a PK, Brain Buster on, off of the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on with well, this match, she, but all well, I know is I love it. Hit, escapes, hits a release German to Nakajima to send him off the ape, off the ramp yes. to the floor, which was crazy. Yeah, uh, we get like some classic spots: forehead to forehead, another chop kick fight. All I'm thinking, they have a really long like chop kick trade. Is all I'm thinking is at any point one of you could have punched the other in the face, and it would have been more effective. Just it's absolutely true. If you're stealing your chest, waiting, and then you just get punched in the face, you're probably going down. Yeah, you're not wrong. Back in the ring, Shizaki gets a near fall and a backdrop suplex. They just start firing up on each other. You know, yeah. Nakajima fires back, starts working over, like, uh, I, I think Shizaki actually starts working the jaw, and then there's just, like, a massive, like, genuinely vicious strike exchange between the two. And Nakajima's facial expressions in the selling, fucking amazing. Yeah, it's great. Nakajima hits... A move I haven't talked about, a move that I think he hits better than anybody, like Crescent heel kick. He, it's maybe yeah. my favorite thing that Nakajima, that Nakajima hits. It's yeah, great. It's flawless every single time. Hits um, Shizaki with it when he's on the turnbuckle. He tries a Frankensteiner, but Shizaki strongs his way out of it, turns it into a superplex from like where he's on the one on the turnbuckle, which is cool. Uh, yep. Go hits a huge lariat, two count. Takes the elbow pad, another lariat, two count. Which, if... The elbow pad makes it stronger. Why do you wear elbow pads in the first place? Just yeah, just go um, elbow pad. At but one point here, if you see a wrestler show up out there with no elbow pads and no knee pads, you think he's a psychopath, right? 
Fuck yeah. Anytime I see weird. Minoru Suzuki, I'm like, what is wrong with you? You ever see, I saw, there's a clip that went around of like a guy in college. He's playing corner and he had nothing on his arms. No tape, no gloves, no wristbands, no armbands, no tattoos, nothing. It was just, he was out there raw dogging coverage. And I was no like, sleeves. There's nothing. It was absurd. I'm like, no, what do you play Have for? Have you like, ever the- seen a, a cornerback without a sleeve? No wonder you play for like Kennesaw State. Shout out. Just picked picked out the smallest school I could think of. Jesus Christ. Um, at one point, I believe Shizaki hits his, uh, a go flasher, which I, I think might be his finisher. Yeah. Um, but he's unable to follow it up just because of the fucking sheer amount of damage that he's taken from those kicks. Um, Nakajima blocks a lariat with a yeah. kick. Fucking hits a head kick that, bro... My God. <laughs> and then he follows that up with a vertical like spike uh, that, that gets a near fall. And he just fucking, he just poses like so cocky. Um, and it, like, I'm just there like, this is this guy. How does he lose this match? How do you let Nakajima lose his match after this? Delayed brain buster by Nakajima. Gets a two count. And then the finish is a move we heard about last week. With with Masawa, it's the Emerald Flosion. Yes, sir. Nakajima wins kind of flatly. It, it it didn't feel like there had been enough exchange to that point for the finishing <laughs> part. Like there had been a lot of exchanges, but then that one kind of that one felt like a win with the war of attrition. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there just was simply not enough for uh, Shizaki left. But that leaves us with you know, it's been only a year since that match. You know, Nakajima continues to do good things. He would lose the GHC Heavyweight Championship. He would lose it actually pretty soon after that to uh, Fujita. Kazuyuki Fujita, who then would have to vacate it. Go Shizaki would win it when it was vacated. And that's kind of where we're at now. No, not anymore. Well, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I meant meant more that's where Nakajima's at. He's not the champion. He's just a top guy in Noah doing good matches, doing good Noah things. Yes, Nakajima, if he is keeping this up, I need to watch more Noah. Straight up. Like, if this is the wrestler that I'm getting, this guy who has absolutely pieced it all together, who is as an entire body of work character, fucking the drip. The, yeah. the the mannerisms, the the cockiness, the just confidence. The, he really comes off as a very confident wrestler in this match. And I think that, one, this is the best match of the bunch for me. Yes. Um, and two, he comes off as just confident, not only in himself as a, as a performer, but in the character. Yeah. And those are very two different things. Because it's it's one thing if you're confident in yourself as a performer. There, I I really do believe that like 99% of wrestlers are just confident in themselves as performers, and the 1% are just you know either not very good or still very early on in their development. But to be confident uh, in your character is is a completely different ordeal. Like if you like, it's one thing if you're just wrestler guy. Yeah. But I think the reason why Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan uh, back in the day, was able to take off so well was when he became confident in the character. Yeah. And that really got popular. And he just he elevated himself in that. He elevated the Daniel Bryan character to a different level. And that shot him as a baby face. You know that you know that John Moxley will be popular forever as long as he gets to be 
John Moxley. He was clearly yes. uncomfortable, especially when they did that weird heel turn where Dean turned on Seth. It's clearly not the right spot for no. him. And he kind of had the the bits and pieces, but they didn't WWE really didn't know what they wanted to do with Dean Ambrose. Whereas AW is clear. Like John Moxley is like the guy, the bad the badass who runs the thing, will stand up for the little guy. Like that's his lane, go run in it. And John Moxley will never not be popular because he's he's yeah. figured it out. He's got it on lock. And man, Adam Page. I mean, when he's the drunk cowboy, it was great. It was cool. I, I do think that he was confident in that. But I, I felt like he even he knew that, that that character had a ceiling to it. And when did it become great? When he took that, that drunk cowboy and made it the anxious drunk cowboy. And he's able to tell a story based on that. And that leads into the fucking to, to, to beating Kenny Omega and dethroning Kenny Omega and being the guy in AW. Although I do feel like that title reign, while it was really good in the beginning, did eventually like teeter out a little bit towards the end, and it led to the whole thing with Punk. And then we just you the less said about that, the better. That's right. Um, and then we are it, where we are. I, I do think that the evolution of the Hangman Adam Page character is something that really, really should be focused on, and, and you see it here with Nakajima and he's just a performer who has absolutely maximized every extent of himself. Um, And and I do think that Noah is going to benefit from that moving forward because you've got guys like him, you've got Go Shizaki and you've got uh, a Kaido uh, who Kaido Keno, who's um, the current young guy who's the champion over there. And I think that just that next era that this coming phase, this coming few years are very vital for Noah, and I think that they definitely have the performers at the top who are going to be able to carry them to that point where I don't think they reach New Japan levels, obviously. No. I think they become a viable second promotion in Japan. That, yeah, that, they absolutely know, could. Mainstream global coverage. I. It's weird because normally whenever we do these matches in Japan, I come up and be like, I fucking love this guy. I want to see everything he's ever done. I want to see everything that Nakajima's done since 2020. <laughs> you want I, to see everything Nakajima's going to do moving next. Forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to follow him now, which is weird because normally, like I said, you see, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm all in on like the guy's history. I think that he was waiting to find that thing that made him stand out. And now he's got it. He's got the charisma. He's got it all. That is it for this week's episode on Katsuhiko Nakajima. We have two episodes coming up, of course. Next mini-sode is Monsters Ball 2 from Bound for Glory 2005. We got Abyss. We got Sabu. We got Jeff Hardy. We got Rhino. It's a weird fucking time. But it's so fun. It's also the third of four mini-sodes that we recorded in one day. So if you want to continue hearing Javier and I lose our minds slowly, this is the third level of descent, you know? Yes, absolutely. this is where we're going for that point. Uh, wherever you're listening, you should be able to rate us five stars and help. It helps us out tremendously. So continue to rate us, give us those five star ratings. Uh, if you put something funny in the rating, we will read it on air. Because why not? We don't care. Yeah, if you put something funny there, I don't care what it is. So, yeah. you know, I'll fucking read it. Also, be sure to go to fullpresswrestling.com to get all the links for all of the matches. You can check out all of these Nakajima matches there. Fullpressshop.com for the merch. And of course, you should follow us on the socials, Javier. Where can people find you on social media? At JMLO Sports. Sauce to follow on Twitter. It's also in the bio of the main page. My Twitter is also in the bio. Added 7 Gomes. I-T-S-E-V-A-N-G-O-M-E-S. Of course, the Twitter is at Crossbody at Work. Follow us on Instagram, too. 
I post things every once in a while. Not really, but once a month. Just a little thing. Hey, man. If I knew how to use Instagram better, I'd help you out. But a I photo of Bob Holly giving the thumbs up. A collection, a collection of wrestling Santas. Whatever I decide to throw on there at any given time. It is uh, continuing Japanuary. Our next main episode. So the minisodes come out on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. Our next main episode. We're kicking it in 80s and 90s New Japan with Shinya Hashimoto. Oh yeah, I know nothing. A hoss. A hoss through and through, baby. You're telling me you hid it until now that we have a hoss coming up? The hoss If you month- think that I hid it until now, you are out of your mind. You picked him. I gave you the option and you picked him. I didn't even Google it. I just picked a name. I am so good at picking names. I'm the best at picking names. We've got Shinya Hashimoto next week. Tune in then, Javier. Any final words for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier is... Uh, it, it's not a big piece of advice, but it's a very practical one. So uh, my girlfriend's father gifted me a uh, dash cam for, for my new car. Um, yes. And it's awesome. I love it. It's been very cool so far. Uh, but one thing I quickly realized is I have all these cords uh, that I have to, uh, you know, arrange around my, like the front dash part of my car in order so, yeah. so they're just out of sight and not in the way pretty much. Um, Evan, what do you need to get things to stick to places sticky tack duct tape <laughs> yeah guess what i don't have uh sticky tack duct tape tape just tape in general uh my advice this week people get tape just have tape around <laughs> somewhere even if you're a if apartment car house doesn't matter put tape somewhere and know where it is because there yes. will be a situation where you need tape and guess what if you don't have it it kind of sucks <laughs> like i i don't have tape and i keep forgetting to buy tape so now there's I just this, want to have a thing of tape and just put it somewhere, and then I just have tape always. There's this old flowchart joke that I saw where it's like, thing is broken. Is it supposed to move, but it doesn't? You need WD-40. Is it not supposed to move, but it does? You need duct tape. And then if it is supposed to move, but it is, then great. It's working. If it isn't supposed to move and it's not, great. Then it's working. So WD-40, duct tape, keep them both, have them both. Very yes. handy. Yeah. A lube or tape. Pick one. Ooh. I ooh. Yep. Lube or tape is a very weird way to end that, but that's where we're gonna end it. We'll see it for a mini zone for Monsters Ball. We'll see you next week for Shinya Hashimoto. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.